top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show bringing you all the action from the Premier League and Syria, England and Italy. I'm your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, how are you? Uh, life has its ups, life has its downs, but you'll never see this man with a frown. <laughs> <laughs> You could say it like the Italians do when they drink their tiny coffees and say, uh, that's the same as life, short and bitter. Uh, yeah. You know, that is yeah. uh, that is the way it goes, especially when you uh, devote a lot of your mental health to a sports team and, <laughs> you it's know, a Wednesday or sports night. teams. It's a Wednesday night and I'm drinking a claw. Like, <laughs> ask me how my life's going. And it's not even summertime. <laughs> that is tough. But we have a lot of action to talk about. We have our Champions League final set. Sorry, Dom. Uh, but we got to talk a little bit about England and Italy as well, <laughs> as is the, the main theme of our show, because we had some action over the weekend. We're going to start with, I think, um, a story that I didn't think was really uh, going to be changed or, or, or unsettled in any way, because it really felt like the top four was the top four. He had Manchester City, Arsenal, Newcastle, and Manchester United all in that top four. And it felt like that was that was it. Um, that was a few weeks ago. That was before Liverpool won seven straight Premier League games. Um, and they've been one of the best teams in the Premier League uh, for over the past three months now and have made a late push for the Champions League. It's not all under control. They need Manchester United and Newcastle United to slip up and drop points, which Newcastle United did do over the weekend. Manchester United have uh, you know, rebounded from a, a little bit of a slide and got a win against Wolves. But top four all of a sudden is up for grabs. You know, Liverpool putting Leicester down 3-0 uh, really felt like in that game, You know, for talking about the relegation fight, Leicester. Did not look did not look up for it in any way. You've seen some of these other releg these teams facing relegation. Um, really, really feel like they they're aware of that, and the players, the fans, uh, really into you know sort of preserving their life. You've seen that with Everton at some of their home games. You saw it with Leeds against Newcastle. You know, fighting the way back in the game. Leicester look down. They 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 certainly look like they they're going to be playing the championship next year. No oh, man, it's never it's never a good sign when your team and your fans kind of give up on give up on the cause, right? I mean, they've been, they've been poor all year. I think it, it's kind of been like looming over them, I guess. Right. And they're just like, yeah. you know, here we are. 
especially you know you're playing a team of like Liverpool's caliber. Like, I I don't believe that there's so much hope in that game, even if you are fighting hard for relegation. You know what I mean? Especially you said now now with this win, it's the uh, seven wins in their last seven. But you know they were on a six game win streak and they're coming in to play you and you're facing relegation. You're like, oh shit, here we go. Like, uh, it's not going to look good for us. Yeah, I, th- I think with with Leicester too, it, it's interesting because you know, they, they've they've had some some bad results over the last few years, and it, it felt like you know they've been on this this steady decline. Uh, and I, I want to give you your props too, actually, because you know end of the season is coming up, so I went back and looked at our preseason predictions, and you had as your underachiever, uh, which which I remember really liking and agreeing with. Uh, Leicester City and you know they are certainly I think getting relegated uh, no matter what is always an underachievement um, so you know it, it would be a, a big loss for them and it just felt like you know has been a passenger all season James Madison has had this like uh, hero mode uh, whenever he's been available this year where he just constantly trying to I think do a little too much um, and is, is not picking out the, the most simple pass all the time it's just a team that I think has been really dysfunctional uh, not just this year, but even even going back to last season, I, I, I remember us being very critical of Leicester and that they were headed down a dark path. Um, but top four, you know, like we like we let off with, is is very open now. All of a sudden in the Premier League, mm-hmm. even Brighton, you know, have have a chance. You know, if if they win their remaining fixtures, um, you know, they could obviously uh, you know have have a big impact. They have Newcastle still to play tomorrow, uh, or if you're listening to this on Thursday today, maybe that game has already passed and you already know exactly how the game's going to turn out, but you know, Brighton could, uh, Brighton could have a, you know, a, a chance here to, to actually sort of find their way into the champions league. Even it's, it's an outside chance, but I also thought Liverpool uh, potentially being back is an outside chance. It still is. Like I said, Manchester United and Newcastle both have uh, fixtures that you would assume that they could take care of business in Manchester United, still Bournemouth, Chelsea and Fulham to play. I, I think two of those, especially being at home for Manchester United, having Chelsea and Fulham at home gives them a, a good opportunity. They've been very good at Old Trafford this season. Um, and Newcastle have Brighton, Leicester, and Chelsea remaining. Uh, not the easiest schedule, but we already talked about how Leicester look down and out. Uh, you expect that they should be able to put them away. Uh, nothing would make me happier than to see Manchester United bottle this top four. You know, it could be... We, we, we've spoken all year about, like, their ups and their downs and how we hate listening to United fans saying that they're back and this and that. And, and, oh man, it would just, I would just laugh, but I can't, I can't laugh too much because my club may be playing in the same competition they are. So it's, it would, I would, I would love to see it though. I, it would be very weird to see Liverpool in Europa league anyway. Uh, for me, I mean, I've become accustomed to seeing their champions league uh, appearances time. After time, after time, you're talking about one of the most successful clubs for the competition. I mean, they kind of, they kind of deserve to be there, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, funnily enough, you know, that was I think Klopp's first big moments with Liverpool was getting to the Europa League final, uh, which was stolen from us, by the way. Against Sevilla, one of the most it just doesn't get talked about enough. We should have had three penalties in the first half for handballs. Um, whenever someone says that VAR is stupid and people like complain about VAR and how they need to get rid of it, my blood boils because I remember that game and how differently that could have been because we would have had Champions League football the following season and just our trajectory would have been so different. I digress. <laughs> Um, for Manchester oh. United, there's a potential to be a disaster 
uh, final month of the season, if they do fall out of top four, Manchester City are in a Champions League final. They're going to win the Premier League. And all that is standing between, you know, a Manchester City treble is Manchester United in the FA Cup final. Have, a, have an opportunity to, to snuff the flame before it even... But it, I tell you what, they lose that FA Cup final. The following weekend is the Champions League final now against Inter. Brother, I mean, come on. You know, Manchester United fans have been unrelentless in reminding everyone that they're the only English treble winners. And I'll, Listen. And then, and then on top of that, not only do you lose it, to, to by the way, the team that they have rooted for the last few years because they've been going head to head with Liverpool. So they've been they've been feeding they've been feeding this beast over the last three four seasons because they're the only team being competitive with Liverpool, and now it is going to come back tenfold on top of them, and they have the possibility of losing their Champions League spot to Liverpool. Uh, I'm not going to say that would make me happy, but it would make me incredibly happy. Uh, but that is uh, you know. Listen, that's all fantasy at, at this time, at least. Uh, you know, none of that is actually materialized. But uh, could be a, you know, it could, for what is, I think, a lot of times been a promising season for Manchester United, it is much more in the balance now than it has been at any point this season. You know, we were not big believers in them being title challengers when everyone else was talking about them being title challengers because I think we rightly assessed that they had a lot of games to play. They're, they've been playing, like, every three or four days since – October, I think. Like they, they've just not had rest. They had some bad injuries and suspensions at times, and you know, they just didn't have the depth. Not a lot of teams do have the depth to compete on that many fronts. You can see that that has just worn them down over the course of the year. Um, so that's part of the reason for them sort of, I think, falling off. Um, but I think there's still like some things to be positive about for Manchester United. But I tell you, if if that is if the scenario I just laid out is the scenario you get, uh, I think United fans are going to have a really tough summer. And by the way the ownership of their club is still very much in question. You know, it could still be the Glazers in charge. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think Manchester United fans would be particularly happy with that situation remaining the same as it is. Yeah. Uh, Shall we look at the other end of the table? Because, Dom, I think Nottingham Forest, I'm not going to call it, you know, officially, but they get a draw against Chelsea. They sit at 34 points, 18th in the Premier League. is leads with 31. They're three points clear. They don't have a great goal differential. In fact, of, of all the non-Southampton relegation teams, uh, they have the worst goal differential, which could be you know crucial. You know, this could come down to that. Having good goal differential at this point of the season is like having an extra point because that is a tiebreaker in the Premier League, of course. Uh, but they get a good draw against Chelsea. Uh, they might actually even feel a little frustrated that they didn't get all three points in this game. Um, but it does feel like Nottingham Forest, they've hit they've hit a decent enough you know, kind of run of form at the right time of year. They haven't quite had a Bournemouth uh, pull away where, where Bournemouth you know, won three out of the last six and, and just find a way to, to get those three points and, and find themselves to safety. But it does feel like maybe Nottingham Forest are, are on the outside looking in in terms of, uh, in terms of relegation. It doesn't help that they have Arsenal next in the league as well. Uh, any type of ground that could be gained if Leeds could, you know, steal some points off of West Ham uh, could make their lives a little a little tough. Um, it, it's starting to heat up. I mean, Everton play Wolves, which is a winnable game. Uh, I mean, they're both not in the best of form. That could be a that could easily be a draw, but. Uh, you know, we're, it, it's going to be one of those weeks where we either say, see like a huge shakeup 
or it's really not going to change too much. Like it's not going to be like one of those in between where like one may make some ground on the other and like, Hey, you know, it's going to get, it's going to heat up. It's either, it's going to be big change or it's going to be, eh, at least it's only going to solidify what we're looking at right now. I do think Leeds actually playing West Ham this weekend is, is pretty good for them though, because West Ham are in the Europa conference league semifinals. They have a two, one advantage. There's still a lot to play point. for in that tie. Um, you, know, you can very much catch them, and, and they've not been in good form in the league because they, they really have just put a lot of stock in that European competition. You know, they're, they're pretty much safe from relegation um, at this point. So, you know, why not kind of go all in on getting to a, to a European final and potentially having a trophy like that? You know, that, that would be important to them. And by the way, if you win that competition too, you get in the Europa League. You know, like yeah. that's, and that's worth it to a club like West Ham. Um, so, you know, I think Leeds actually do have a, a potential opportunity to, to do that. Um, I just think Nottingham Forest, yes, you know, they have Arsenal uh, this week. That That's true. But I actually think Arsenal, I do wonder, you know, they, they lose Gabriel Martinelli, by the way, for the, the rest of the season with an ankle injury. Um, you know, so that is one threat. Of course, the Leandro Trossard will just replace him, who's also obviously a very capable player. But, you know, it, I could see this being a good time to play Arsenal, right? You know, the, the title has pretty much slipped out of their hands. Um you know, it was already out of their control, but now it, it's very much likely by the time Arsenal play this weekend, um, it, it might feel already like that it's completely gone. You know, the, the title's out of their control and, it, and it's actually cities, but um, I think it's a decent chance. And then they have Crystal Palace on the final day. You know, Crystal Palace have been fun and they've been, they've been a little free-flowing. I think they're playing with a lot of freedom, but like we say, you never know on final days like that teams like a Crystal Palace – it can go either way. You can see them win a game five-one because they just like play with a lot of freedom. You know, they have, they really have nothing to lose. Or you can see them lose three-one to a team that that really needed you know the three points on the final day to stay up. Like that is that is very much the character of some of those teams. So um, I think the point is is that the relegation fight is still uh, interesting. But I do think a team like Nottingham Forest has put themselves out of the danger and it really feels like it's between Everton and Leeds for that final spot. I just, based off body language, based off of mentality and what I'm seeing, I really don't see Leicester getting out of this. I, I, I don't see them finding uh, enough results in, in the, the, the rest of the, the, the season to, to stay in the Premier League. No, I don't either. I agree with you there. Um, it's only a battle for that, for that, you know, quote unquote top spot 18th, right? Um, you know who who's going to end up there? I really do see that like Leeds and Everton can make a lot of make up a lot of ground and make it real interesting going into the last you know few games. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you said about Arsenal too. They've kind of like shut down, kind of given up. Hey, you know, City can have the league. It's going to be interesting. Pep potentially getting a treble. Again, does that kind of solidify him as like one of the greatest ever? Uh, I think he already is one of the greatest ever. I do think, you know, there's been a discussion and I just, listen, it's hard for me to remove my bias as a Liverpool fan, right? Because we've had to compete with Manchester City the last five years and everyone has been very ungracious in talking about us in Manchester City. Um, and now all of a sudden that Arsenal fans have to come up against this Goliath. All of a sudden, everyone wants to have a conversation about City's finances and the 115 charges that they have from the Premier League of financial uh, now they configuration. Want to. Yeah, Holland breaks all the goal-scoring the, record in his first season in the league. Now now it's all coming up. 
all of a sudden everyone wants to talk about city's finances and about how nobody could possibly compete with them. None of these teams had to watch their team get 97 points, lose one game all season in the league and miss out on the title. You know, I, I just, if you didn't, if you weren't there for me in 2018, 2019, I don't want to hear about it. If you were making, if you were poking holes in stuff, talking about how we bottled it in 2018, 2019, when I can't stress this enough, we lost one game in the league. We finished with 97 points, nine, seven, and still lost the title. Can you tell that I am not over it still to this day? Uh-huh. 97 points, one loss all season. Yeah, I don't think... competing against Manchester City is tough. And I, yeah, I'm glad I don't think though... that's a bottle either. It's just like, damn. I don't even think <laughs> Arsenal bottled it. I see we are on pace for, for another 94-point season. That is unheard of. Yeah. I tweeted this last year because I, I just I, – I've talked a lot about how we have, like, rose-tinted glasses for the past – which a lot of people do, right? Like we, we are suckers for nostalgia, I think just as human beings, but we have a tendency to look back at like perhaps Barcelona and, and Mourinho's Real Madrid is like the pinnacle. Like those are the best. We never are aware in the moment of when we're like watching history of when we're watching the best teams with, with Barcelona and Madrid at that time, it certainly felt like we were witnessing stuff. Six of the top 10 point totals in Premier League history, history have all come from the last five years between Manchester City and Liverpool. Manchester City were Centurions in 2017-18 with 100 points. Liverpool had 99 points in 2019-20. Uh, Manchester City had 98 points in the 18-19 season, season. Liverpool finished with 97 that season and lost out on the title. Uh, Chelsea in 2004-2005, lest we forget, with 95 points. Uh, that was seen as like one of the runaway best teams ever. Yeah. We have had Liverpool and Manchester City have outdone that four times. Over the last three years, that like Chelsea 04 or 05 was the standard. That was like they have a defensive record that'll never be beaten in, in terms of goals allowed, 15 goals allowed for the entire season. We look at that team and think that is amazing. Four times these teams have done it. City will be a point off of them this season, probably, because they'll probably win the rest of their schedule. Like it's just insane the way that the goalposts have moved, um, you know, over the last few years. You had Manchester City uh, in 21 22 finish on 93 points. Um, Chelsea with 93 points in 16-17. That was the Conte season where they just dominated the league. And again, just we talked. They had that. They had the title wrapped up in February, right? Uh, Liverpool in 21-22, finishing on 92 points, um, going all the way back to 1999 and 2000 with Manchester United with 91, and then Chelsea 05-06 with 91 points. Like Manchester City and Liverpool have just re defined and really Manchester city, right? Because Manchester city have been like the like team that have been performing and, and Liverpool put, they pushed each other for sure. And I'm not sure either of those teams maybe get the high nineties without the other team pushing them. I do think there's that element of that. Um, but even so you're seeing Manchester city, they, they're not being pushed in the same way. It's not going to go down to the final day. Like it has the last few years yet. They're still going to hit 94. It's just, it's insane. You know, I, there's been a lot of discourse about Arsenal bottling it. I, I don't agree with that. It's fun to like poke banter, but, 94 points is an insane point total to get. Yeah. It just yeah. is. Like, that. that's... That... Yeah, when you put it into perspective with the list and see, like, that it's very close to these other ones, like... You you're talking I mean? about the best yeah. seasons ever. Like, yeah. you're talking about the most dominant teams ever. I You know, like, I, I don't fault a team for not 
going winning like 18 straight Premier League games. Like, no. you know, because that, that's what you have to do. They had an unbelievable start to the season, but I'm not going to say it was unsustainable. But, yeah, they're, they're not going to – they're not going to go invincible. You know, they're, they're going to lose at some point. I just, it's tough. Uh, Manchester City are just a hard team to compete with. And we all know why. Apparently, we're, we're not allowed to talk about it, apparently, because no one wants to mention it. But, you know, we, we know that it is not all above above board. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> Brighton did finish the title race at the Emirates. They won 3-0. Uh, you know, Ugly. Again. Ugly for Arsenal. Yeah, it just it just felt like you know it all kind of went out the window here, and I, this is why I, I was saying too that you know maybe maybe someone could get a result against them, um, like Nottingham Forest this this weekend because maybe it's just it's just slipped away from them. I still think overall they've had a good season. Obviously, if you had offered, if you just said to an Arsenal fan in early August you're going to finish second in the Premier League this year, and that like they would have taken that in RB. And I, I do think you have to to keep everything within the, the context of what the preseason expectations were. No one had Arsenal in for a title race. The fact that they're going to have Champions League back next year is a big accomplishment for them. That is that is really what they've been working and building towards. This is a, a good foundation to to build from. Um, you know, Look, and The it, financial it, implications for them too, like being able to get back into the Champions League and finish, you know, second in the league uh, bodes well. You know, they, they, they can bring in some players and, and you know, play around in the transfer market in the summer and, and really try to bolster bolster the squad to make a push, be competitive against City and Liverpool. Yeah. I'm curious on the other side of this too, what Brighton do, because again, you know, they're going to be in Europe in some aspect next season. Um, it's just whether or not it could be Champions League. That would be amazing if Brighton find their way to the Champions League. Um, seems like most likely going to be in the Europa League next year, which is, uh, listen, a good competition for them. You saw the way that they played against Arsenal, the way they played against a lot of teams this year. This is a very good team. I listened to a very interesting uh, interview with Roberto De Zerbi, uh, where he was talking about kind of his philosophy and um, how much he's enjoying working with the team. And he also has an understanding this team has a lot of areas to improve. That this transfer market is going to be really important for them. They're going to have to make some big signings. They're also in line to lose a few key players, right? You've heard a lot about McAllister leaving. Moises Caicedo was um, almost gone already in January. It seems like he could be moving on. Um, you know, they have some deal apparently with James Milner. That's an interesting kind of addition, at least in terms of experience and gives you that kind of veteran mindset, not much of an impact player at this point, um, but still an interesting signing nonetheless. I'm very curious to see who, who it is they bring in because they're, they're going to have to make some key signings. You know, if they do want to, and Brighton do seem like the type of team that will take Europe seriously. You know, sometimes you see these mid table teams and it's going a little tough for them. They're like 13th in January and you know it feels like they prioritize the league a little bit more you know finding themselves in a bad spot and maybe don't focus on Europe doesn't feel like Brighton will be one of those teams I feel like they'll they'll treat this very seriously I think you know they could be a real threat in Europe next season because the way they play is wonderful um, and I, I think can give teams a lot of problems across the entire continent it's that little Serie A flair you know who who expected the uh the the manager from Sassuolo to come to the Premier League and just kind of really you know changed the course of a team that was like kind of mid-table people were kind of like thinking like hey you know uh, is this the best that they're going to be they're they're becoming really competitive um i'm a, i'm a big fan of mitoma uh, uh electric down that left side for them so uh yeah i mean i would love to see a team like that in the champions league too see you know what 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 they could do, you know, be one of those dark horse teams that, you know, everybody kind of like roots for. 
Yeah, you know, it, yeah. Uh, it adds parity to the Premier League as well, you know. Uh, you talk Premier League, you know, you're always talking, you know, City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool. You know, Tottenham's kind of fallen, you know, by the wayside. Newcastle is kind of one of those new players in that's adding parity to the league. Uh, you know, in the past few years, you know, you've had teams like West Ham add, add parity. Chelsea's normally up there. But, like, now Brighton is in the mix. And and if they have a sustainable project, they could be there for a while. That's that's real interesting when it comes to the Premier League. This is where it gets tough, though, for Brighton is because it's it's interesting because Southampton are getting relegated this year. Burnley, you know, uh, just got promoted again. Burnley, not that long ago, were finishing in the top eight in the Premier. Yeah. It is all about sustaining the success, and that is very hard to do. And not saying Brighton can't do it. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but. We do see these stories every four or five seasons across all of Europe. This isn't even a Premier League exclusive thing. See these teams that make smart, good bets that pay off for them, you know, with, with players and, and they get the right system, they get the right manager, and it, it goes very smoothly for like three or four seasons. And but you ha- it is like a treadmill that is constantly moving up in speed. It is one thing to be, you know, if you've ever been on a treadmill and you're at like a six incline and you're going to three and a half miles per hour to do that at five miles per hour. You're like at a certain point, you it gets very hard to keep up. Yeah. And I, I, I think that the level of difficulty goes up each time too, because you're listen, Brighton are, are not going to be able to hold on to their best players. You know, we, no. you're, again, you're already going to see that this summer. That is where the challenge comes in, is it's continuing to identify those targets and they have to work. You can find good players that that make a lot of sense. They have to work and they have to develop right and you have to get a little lucky, you know, that they don't get injured, that yep. the system works just right, that your manager doesn't leave. I mean Grand Potter left this team when they were they were in fourth earlier this season, and Deserby came in and was still able to give them the same kind of results. You know, they, they were still able to to be a, a team that's going to finish in Europe. So I'm really curious to see the, the the summer for them and what that looks like. I just want to mention too, Coventry versus Luton Town in the Championship playoff on May 27th. I've been watching the uh, the Championship playoffs, uh, and that is we haven't had either of these teams in the Premier League uh, for over 20 years. A little bit similar to last year, where it's like Nottingham Forest hadn't been back in the league, and you know, kind of, I think everyone a little bit wanted to see them back, unless you're a Leicester fan. Um, so it, it is cool to see those two. Luton also have a really interesting story because they played a very tiny stadium that is, uh, if you've seen the pictures online, that is just, uh, I don't want to say a hole in the wall, but when people talk about, if people say like a hole in the wall, you should talk about a bar or a restaurant. They have a stadium that is a hole in the wall. Um, and I, I think that's uh, that's really fascinating. But both these teams too, you know, we're in league two within the last five, six years and are now rising to, you know, the top of the championship and potentially one of them, not even potentially, one of them will be in the Premier League. Uh, so yeah. fascinating story. I can't wait to see that play out. I'm looking forward to to either of those teams being back in the Premier League. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we move on to, uh, to Serie A, I'll stay in England. Uh, two kind of big news stories, you know, coming out of the Premier League. Uh, number one, Liverpool is looking to make a, a uh, an overhaul with their midfield. Uh, four players are leaving the club this uh, this summer when their contracts run out. I, you mentioned one in James Milner. Uh, Roberto Firmino is another one. Uh, the Ox, the Ox is out, and uh, Naby Keita, uh, who's had a you know a kind of tumultuous time in 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 Liverpool, dealing with a lot of nagging injuries and stuff like that. So. Uh, it's a tough one, man. How how are you feeling about it? Uh, Roberto Firmino is one of my favorite players ever, uh, and I, I'm going to miss him dearly. He had a he had a great run last year too, where he was just scoring off the bench and and 
just gives me some of my best memories. Just a, a, a fun character, a guy that I really am going to miss and a very unique player. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to him getting a good send-off. James Milner, too, joined from City. Had a, had already had an insane and impressive career and just continue that and a great leader. Oxen, Keita, you know, Keita we had a lot riding on. You know, he's like one of our first really big signings under yeah. Klopp. Like we had to wait a whole year. We bought him and then he was loaned back to, to Leipzig uh, for that whole season. So, you know, we kind of had to wait and anticipate and he looks so good in the Bundesliga and it's just never translated. And Oxen has been a good squad player. I always felt bad that it just felt like every time you get a good run of form, he had a, a bad injury. That really mm-hmm. catastrophic knee injury um, against Roma in, in the Champions League run in 17-18 and just never quite looked the same. Uh, he had a few moments here and there, but uh, he gave us uh, some big ones, especially against City. He had some big goals, so I will always remember him for that. And it just seems like a good guy, too. Okay. seems like a good personality. So I, I have no ill will towards any of them. Some of them I love more than others. No one ever replaced my baby Bobby, but um, I have fond memories, too, of watching him destroy Arsenal. Um, in fact, I remember us recording an episode of Underground Sports one time, watching the Liverpool-Arsenal game together, uh, and Arsenal went 1-0 up, and you were kind of giving me a little bit in, I think, Roberto Firmino. That was the game where he sat, like, the entire Arsenal defense down um, and scored a goal, and that was, uh, that's a nice, that was a nice thing. You know, you always had a habit of, uh, of, of popping up in the right It's in the archives. It uh, is in the archives somewhere. Uh, second, second, piece of, second piece of info, you know, it's happened to me a couple times here on the on the podcast. I've given some, you know, advice if you're if you're into the sports betting, uh, where it hasn't gone as well as I thought, and I've ended up in jail uh, because anybody who took my advice probably wants me there. But um, on the same topic, Ivan Tony handed an eight month ban from all football uh, by the FA. Which is, whew, that's that's incredible. Just misses basically all of next season as well. It's it's not looking good for the for the for the Brentford striker. Yeah, he uh, he won't be back until January of twenty twenty four. Also, can't train with the team. Uh, so all football. It is uh, all football related activities. So listen, you know, listen. He had like over 200 uh, accounts of, of betting. Personally, it's crazy. I, I, I don't know if you, because we've even had this this problem here in the NFL now. You know, you had Calvin Ridley suspended for a whole year um, in the NFL for betting on games. You had that with a few like Lions players are, are being suspended. Listen, I, I, I understand why you want to like not have players betting on games. I get that, but I also. It does strike me as a little bit hypocritical when you consider how much betting advertisements there are, not just in the Premier League, but it, but in all sports now, especially, again, here in America, it's become legalized in the last few years. You cannot watch a sporting event. You can't, you can't watch anything without getting a sports ad, a, yep. a, a, a betting ad, and it comes with all these qualifiers. You've got a prom called 100 Gambler, Hope NY, whatever. And it's just, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do with my feelings. I don't know how to articulate it's strong enough. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, the rules, it's, it's, it's a dumb thing to, to get suspended eight months for, you know, and well, I think it's, it's just ultimately not worth it. And it, it's funny. I, I read some people talking about uh, that the, the length of the, the, the ban was unfair, but in 2017, Joey Barton was uh, suspended for match betting for uh, 13 months or sorry, 18 months. 
but I think it got taken down to 13. Uh, he bet on 1,260 matches uh, be uh, between March 2006 and May 2013. So uh, Ivan Tony, pretty lengthy band, but not the longest band for uh, match betting. Um, there was, uh, let's see, Eric Contina was handed an eighth-month ban, uh, but that was because of his drop kick <laughs> against Crystal Palace. Uh, Rio Ferdinand was given eight months as well uh, when he For, found, uh, uh, missing a drug yeah, test. Yeah, uh, yes, he did. Uh, uh, everybody loves to forget that about old Rio's history, pal. Because <laughs> Rio has been uh, Rio's been talking crazy. Because talking about Arsenal, about how uh, you know, like in my day, and I, I even saw like Ole talking about this with like in regards to Manchester United players like brother you were coaching there last year like I, I don't know that you get to say that they have like that they're snowflakes when you were literally there uh, like 13 months ago you were in charge of these people like very you're gonna, Roy, like, very Roy Keane of him uh but Rio was like talking about the Arsenal players and like how the mentality is weak it's whatever it's like brother they're gonna finish let's just say they 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 get four points. They're going to finish with 85 points. That would have been enough to beat half of your titles. So let's, yeah. <laughs> let's chill out. You know, and then let's, let's, you also, let's just recognize you played in an era where like the top scorer in the Premier League was scoring like 17 goals. And we have like, it's just, it's a different era. Okay. We don't, we don't, we don't got to go crazy here. Um, and you mentioned uh, the early 2000s to mid 2000s uh, Chelsea squads. Mark Bosnich failed a cocaine test and was, uh, Suspended for cool nine man. months. So there was who is that Finnish player that played in uh, the Russian league? He recently, not recently, this was in the, like the last four or five years, uh, got suspended. Finnish? He was Finnish. Oh man, he played for I want to say CSK Moscow. Um, Finnish. I'm gonna. Yeah, he's from Finland. I, I as soon as I know is it's like elk something. Uh, I'm going to look. Elkison? Roman Aramenko. Uh, uh, Two-year ban for a cocaine use. Two years. Two years. That's nuts. Two years. And then it, it's not worth it. That's what that's what all this is to say. Yes, guys. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Don't beat sports gambling if you if it's in your contract that you will get suspended if you can. You know? Yeah. Anyway, that. Um, let's go to Italy. Speaking of controversy and drug use and gambling, <laughs> the land of vices. <laughs> yeah. Any, any, anybody who ever plays out there, I was watching a, a Michael Richards. Uh, he was on like a podcast or kind of interviewing him and he was like, Hey man, like as, as fun as it is to play in like the most competitive league in the world, like the best thing about Italy is the lifestyle. <laughs> it's like you leave training and in an hour you're in, you got a wine in your hand and, and you know, <laughs> a cigar in the other type. Of, like <laughs> That is the way Michael Richard lived his very short career. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, the story from this weekend and really the past few weeks and now as we, you know, move into the Champions Finals, is Inter have found their form. I know this is a difficult subject for you to talk about, Dom, but it is important to mention. Um, they've really found their goal scoring form. Really, Romelu Lukaku as well has has – Looked like he's back in shape and has found the goals. He had a beautiful goal over the weekend. He's got five goals and four assists in the league since April. Um, they win over Sassuolo. It's not, you know, confirmed that they, they have Champions League spots, right, because there's still uh, a little bit to go. But it does feel like they've 
it's not mathematic, but it feels like they're going to be in the Champions League again next season, which is important for them. You know, they have a five-point lead over Milan. I, I don't necessarily see that being toppled, although they do play Napoli this weekend. That is always a, a bit of a challenge, even though both those teams, I think, are their minds are elsewhere. Napoli already on the beach a little bit. They got beat by Monza this weekend. Uh, doesn't really feel like they they don't have a lot of incentive to really uh, to really go all out yet and, and enter. You know, I, I think we'll be just still reeling from finding their way to a Champions League final, but. You know, they're finding their form at the right time of year. And I, I think that's a scary proposition. Um, you'll have to, to continue that. And, and listen, if they want to win a Champions League final, they're, they're going to have to play very, very well. Um, but Well, it's credit credit to Inzaghi because he, he kind of steered away from his all-out, like, pressing, like, you got to run and you got to run for 90 minutes type deal, like, style of play. And they've become more compact, more methodical, uh, slower uh, with, with – with, their you know advancement down the field but really building up good play and getting good quality chances and and it fits their strikers a lot more you know even like it allows Lautaro to come off the bench and and offer that pace you know later in the game you know guys like Lukaku and and Dzeko can really you know flourish in this type of play style uh, yeah I just I just hate seeing them hit their stride this late in the season man they're playing they're playing well and by the way you know next next week They'll have a uh, the Copa Tally final against Fiorentina. You know they they Fiorentina have have dipped off a little bit. You know they they were on a really hot streak a, a few weeks ago. Uh, they've cooled off, and it, it feels like maybe that can even be you know a, a chance for Inter to to really talk about building some momentum as you go to the end of the season and start uh, working towards a, a Champions League final against Manchester City. That is uh, that is a huge opportunity for them, yep. and you know be two years running that they they won the Copa Tally. That's there's no small feat. And we talked about how they've had such a strange season um, and how them and Fiorentina both have had kind of had a strange season. Yeah, it could be really, really impressive for them. Uh, although Inter have really turned it on and found themselves back in the Champions League spots, it felt like for a few weeks. In fact, uh, Allegri was uh, was talking to the fans, uh, telling them to shut up and that they'll be finishing sixth. Um, and since then, they've won every game uh, in the league. So <laughs> shout out. If you want to get mad at anyone, get mad at Max Allegri. It is his fault. <laughs> it's... If, and that just goes for everything. Everything in Italy, everything in Italian soccer. No, just blame him. It. Just blame Allegri. And, you know, maybe in some way you're right. You know, maybe maybe that's a, the, the way to look at it. But it is a tale of two Milans because as one Milan team has risen, another has fallen. Milan had been in really some rough form over the last few months. Forget weeks. Uh, they've just not been able to find their footing. They lost to Spezia this past weekend. Um, which, by the way, you know, really it, it excites me because we've talked about the the relegation fight in Italy getting a little spicy in the last few weeks because Hellas Verona, Spezia, level on points at 30. It is just goal differential uh, separating the two. And Lecce are just two points ahead. They get to get a nice draw against Lazio, which gave them a little bit of comfort. Uh, but none of those teams are safe, and we are sort of barreling towards the, the final game weeks where that'll be decided. But for Milan, it has been a, a, a tough stretch. It has been a tough last few weeks. Um, they just have not – really, the, the problem has been offensive creation. And that's – you know, they've lived and died with Rafa Liao a lot. And it's great when, you know, this time last year, when his, like, final six games, uh, he carried the team and, and was creating everything. And they were winning games one and two nil because they have this great defensive structure and they were really dependent on Liao to create outside of that. Um He's not been able to do that. Part of that has been injury, but really they have not looked good 
for a while now. They have not looked like the most impressive self. They had like those games against Napoli, especially the one in the league, the the 4-0. But really since early March, it has felt like this team has sort of taken a, a bit of a turn for the worse and are, are finding themselves now at a Champions League spots. With Juventus' appeal still to go through, but even that might get reduced to only nine points. Milan necessarily came and bank on that. And, by the way, did I mention, they still have Juventus. They play, play each other. We have talked about that fixture since, like, December as, as a potentially meaningful match, and it is taking on more and more meaning by the week. Listen, this is what happens when you don't have money to invest in young attacking players because you decide to spend your money on old elder statesman strikers. Like if you're given money for Ibrahimovic to come out, to come back, you do not bring in a guy like Olivier Giroud. If you bring in Olivier Giroud, you can't re-sign Ibrahimovic. It, I give all the credit in the world that Milan wouldn't have turned them their form around if they didn't bring Ibrahimovic in in the first place. But then once the injuries start piling in and this and that, like it's very hard to, to get that in. And then you're investing money in the wrong places. Uh, they've had a right winger problem since Suso was in the club and they've never addressed it. Uh, they, they've, they've tried to sign players, but then you sign uh, an Uber Eats driver from a team that's not even in the Serie A anymore. Who you called, by the way, one of the best players you've ever seen in your life. So, uh, And you said I, he could develop into recall. something. I don't recall. <laughs> you said he could develop into something great, and that man is 30 years old. I don't recall. I think that I was talking about Salamakers. I, I don't yeah. think I was talking about. Um, you know, Brahim Diaz is, is up and down. You, you sign CDK, and, and it doesn't work out, and, and – uh, you know, he's, I don't know, he seems like a shell of what he was in in, in the Belgian league. Uh, you sign Yassine Adley, who is a very creative player, and he never gets to see the field. Uh, so it's a great job there. Uh, I don't think the entire blame can be put on Pioli like some other people are doing. However, um, I do think that he handled certain things wrong. You know, playing the young players was, was one of them. But he's also dealing, and hit, and as well as Maldini, they're both dealing with a club that re- just refuses to give them money to get back to that next level. Maldini even said it in an interview, he's like, we're not meant to be here yet. We're not. We've overachieved. We've overachieved. And it's going to take a lot of investment and a lot of proper financial management in order to get back to there and they're still dealing with the you know ramifications of FIFA fair play financial fair play so like who knows it, it is it is a high wire act that Milan have been crossing over the last few years uh, and it does feel like a little bit of a stumble this year but I, I don't think ultimately a tragic one I do think you know they did sign Raffaele out to a contract extension we didn't get to, to, to discuss that last week because there was so much else going on but that is that is big news for them you that's know, very even positive. If that, even if he's not staying, and let's be realistic, Rafael Leal is more than certainly not going to be a Milan player in the 27-28 season. But it does mean that you're actually going to get a reasonable fee for him. You don't have to worry so much about this summer being the summer that he leaves. You probably get you get Rafael Leal for at least another season, if not two more seasons. This uh, ensures that they get the proper compensation for him because they've lost out on it with five different players, you know, in the last few years, you know. 
They let Kessie go on a free. Look, he just won a league title at Barcelona. They let they let Donnarumma. Oh, sure, he was there. He was, he was, <laughs> he was there. Uh, you let Donnarumma go for free, even though Hilarious. he dealt with – yeah, even though he dealt with, you could have got money for that. You let you let Hakan Shalhanoglu go for free. He wins the league. He's looking to get back to back Copa Italia's. Like, uh, I don't think I, I think they let uh, they let uh, Bonaventura go for free as well. They could they could even even though he was you know on the later stage of his career, you, you could still get money for him. That's that's what I'm. I, I'm pretty sure Romagnoli went on a free as well. Right, Romagnoli went to Lazio on a free. Yes. So, where's the money? You know what I mean. Milan could be in a totally different spot right now if they would have actually sold their players at the right time, Uh, or to somebody from Brighton, or re-sign them and then sell them for a proper fee in a season. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, let's talk to Brighton. Let's uh, let's convert Mitoma. Now, yeah, or good luck. Uh, let's go to uh, Real Sociedad and sign Kubo. By the way, uh, Ismail Benacer out for six months with a knee injury. Yeah, uh, from Milan. that, that too is just <laughs> – don't remind me, man. Get kicked while you're down. Let's, uh, let's move on. Roma, uh, a draw again in the league. This was a big rotation game. It's very clear that their strategy is to get to Europa League final, um, and that is, that, that is their path, it seems like. To, to get to the Champions League, to to find their way back to, to where they want to be because the league is just – it's it's hard, and, and they, they don't have a, a big squad as it is. Mourinho's kind of working with, with the best of what he's got, and they have a ton of injuries. You know, like, Dybala has been duct-taped through the last few uh, few weeks and has, has found a way to, like, figure it out. Um, but, you know, it's just not been able to, to stay, like, consistently healthy enough to, like, start every game. But he's sort of been this, like – break in case of emergency uh, type of guy. Um, they have a big test, obviously, uh, you know, to uh, against Bayer Leverkusen in Germany uh, to, to find their way to your oblique final. It felt like, you know, this game against Bologna was them understanding that, understanding that that's really what's important at this stage of the season, um, getting to another final. And I, I don't hate that. You know, I, I think it's good, you know, to, to focus on getting to a European final. That is, that is a big deal. You don't get to a European semifinals very often. Um, you know, it's, it's worth, I think, rolling the dice to get there. Uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate that no matter what people I think will paint the brush of, of this season based off that result. Um, but I, I like the process. I like the idea of like, listen, like we worked very hard to get to this. We, we won a European trophy last year to get in this competition. We want to win this European trophy to get into the next competition. I like the ambition. Yeah. Uh, they, they, Mourinho's got something going with them. I mean, if they can get to the Champions League and get some, uh, get a little financial boost for that, I, I think that it would be good for them. They're going to be competitive. I don't think that. I mean, it's interesting. You know, they're 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 cross town rivals and uh, and their project and what Sari has going for them. Uh, I think that Mourinho's on the precipice of of you know having a team that's continuously top four uh that's going to be competitive with the likes of inter juventus napoli i mean juventus got those 15 points back and and look they're still you know one of the top teams in the league again so uh but i do think that roma is of that level i hate giving them the roses and the flowers but i mean 
they've, they've signed a bunch of players who uh, have really helped them and, and they've been playing well. Uh, but the only way that they can get to the Champions League is to most likely win the Europa League. So we can only see. Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Dybala, right? Just kind of, you know, he's been the savior for them a lot this season. Uh, but, you know, like you said, he's been duct taped and injured and a lot of this stuff. By the way, no one's talked about this, but he has this release clause, which is like 20 million euros this summer. And it like hasn't been talked about because like no one, I think, wants to rain on the Roma parade because it's been they've been fun. And I think in general, people kind of, you know, want to see them do well. They like Mourinho. There's a lot of story there. The ball has done really well this season. And yes, he's had some like injury problems. The ball's injury problems are really overrated by people. People act like this dude sees like seven matches a year and he just doesn't. The problem is, mm-hmm. it's like he has these injuries and he does not recover from injury well. He doesn't necessarily get injured a lot, but like he'll have one injury that just lasts two months and he it just kind of limits his availability, which again isn't great either. But people have a tendency to like treat this guy like Diaby from Arsenal years ago, right? Where it's like he didn't see the guy for three years. Um, but I do think Dabala this summer is going to make a team very happy. I, I think, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, and maybe he stays in Rome. Well, you know, there's, there's no guarantee is... that he must leave, but I think no one has really talked about this release clause. It was a big story when he signed for Roma, but no one has really talked about it since then. Well, know. this is the crazy thing. Maldini came out today saying that uh, ownership didn't allow him to sign Dybala because he didn't fit into their project. They thought it was too much of a risk. It, it, <laughs> so, so instead they go and sign CDK. Talk about a risk. <laughs> I don't oh, get it. You, no, you'd rather be risky with, I'm, I'm sorry to bring it back to my lamenting, but you choose to have a risky, you know, you know, project based off of young potential talents instead of going and getting the proven goal scorer and, and, and playmaker because he's injury prone. <laughs> maybe, maybe they foresaw that release clause that you're talking about that, that Juventus was probably asking for. And they thought that, you know, if he performs well, they're just going to take him back because we're a direct rival. But I, I don't know. On the other side of that bracket, you do have Sevilla versus Juventus, which is one, one, uh, that's going to be interesting. Looking forward to, to seeing how that, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, Leonardo Bonucci said next year's his last year, Dom. So he's, he's looking for the farewell tour uh, next year. He's looking for the, the grand sends off. I can't wait till he finds out that no one likes him like that. Um, <laughs> as, as Draymond Green once said, uh, they love you like that. Uh, so, hey, do you think he goes to America? Do you think he tries to go play for LAFC? It would be hilarious if he tried to do like just follow directly Keelini's footsteps. And like, <laughs> I bet Keelini is so happy to kind of be away from him. Like he's living in LA. Like he's done pretty well with LAFC. And then he shows up. He's like, "Hey, man, good to see." He's like, "I'm so mad that you're. I'm so mad that you're here." <laughs> I, I just I love the idea of Keelini finally breathing, like fine, like a life without Leonardo following me everywhere. Uh, no, I mean, so. given given the man that Bonucci is, I don't think that he would fit in well in LA anyway. So. And he might just be done straight up, honestly. I, I think uh, he's, he's not been able to play really in Florida. Physically, he's not really been able to stay physically uh, well. And I, I think that it, that is a real challenge uh, for, for him at this stage of his career. But, you know, we also have, of course, the, the Europa uh, Conference League, which, you know, listen, I, I, I love my Fiorentina, but uh, a, a tough result against Basel. Um, and like we said, West Ham up to one against AZ Alkmaar. 
uh, that tie to be decided. Uh, it looks like we could have a really fun day tomorrow on Thursday. And let's not forget, too, you got Newcastle versus Brighton. Let's talk just a little bit, Dom. I know it's tough for you, but, you know, we did get our Champions League final set. Inter, <sighs> get past Milan. Lotaro comes on, puts the, puts the stake through the heart in the late stages of the game, uh, which certainly put Inter through at that point. And City, a total domination mode today. Uh, over Real Madrid, did not see that one coming. Uh, I and Holland didn't even score. Holland did not even score. It was the old man Bernardo Silva, uh, very involved in the goals. Um, just an embarrassment of riches that they have, and then they get Julian Alvarez off the bench to to, to really top it off. Uh, but they they really really pushed Real Madrid out of the way. I, I thought when they left the the Bernabeu at one one, I did think that was a, that was a big advantage for City um, going home with that kind of advantage and. Uh, they, they really showed it today. They seem like a team that are on a mission, and they seem like they're clicking in a way that we just haven't haven't seen before. We haven't seen them really dominate in Europe like this, and it, it does feel like Inter take face a very tough task. But I've said this about Inter all season. There's one thing I've been consistent on is that Inter can beat anyone on their day, and is it is and it's why I, I still even in like December was like hey, they could win a title. You know, they they could be in because it's when they beat Napoli. You know, when Napoli were like really imperious, and it felt like. Inter are capable of that. They're they're capable of beating teams, any team on their day. They're capable of doing it. Um, you know that 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 game is in three weeks. Is it conceivable that they're all still in good form? That Lukaku is looking well. Lotaro is looking bright off the bench. That Simone Inzaghi just <laughs> makes the most disgusting uh, Catanaccio that you've ever seen in your life. It's possible. It is possible. That's for sure. But it does feel like City. Uh, are obviously going to be favorites in that final, but it does feel like this is this is a real. Oh, the captain Nacho is going to start from minute five. Inter's going to try to press like once, and Ho- Holland's going to like get in behind, but he's not going to score. And then it's going to be like drop back five five in the back. Just just you know, those fullbacks are staying back the whole time, and they are. <laughs> She's going to play long balls to. Well, they're going to play balls to Barella and. Uh, Shahanoglu try to play over the tops all game. It's it's going to be a thing of pure disgust if it works out for them too. Like it's not going to be the prettiest Champions League final in my opinion, but uh, that's my unbiased opinion. It's going to be an ugly final. I think that what could make it a very enjoyable thing is if City can score multiple goals. I. I'm not sure that I, I I'm not sure we're on the same page here. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not sure. I, I think I think we're on opposite sides of what we want from this game. And I understand your reason for it. I, I can't possibly blame you for it, but I do yeah. think uh we want different things and that's okay. Um anything to say before we get out of here? Yeah. Um Milan should have signed Bernardo Silva when he when he wanted to leave City in the summer. Well, you know, he it's still it's still possible uh, that he could leave. Apparently, PSG are are in for Bernardo Silva. Well, yeah. After this season, now it's just not not looking good, bro. It's not. We don't have the facilities for that big man. Whatever you want to say, it's this. Listen, Evan Indica, Colomani, DiBala, uh, Bernardo Silva. Renato Sanchez. The wish list as oh it's going along along is getting more and more unrealistic. That's I, not even that's not even a wish list. That's people who were wanting to sign for Milan and could not do it. It's just 
I don't know that Bernardo Silva wanted to sign for Milan. If he was going to leave, it was going to go for Barcelona, and Barcelona did not have the money to buy him. And that's ultimately a sliding doors moment, too, because he had a great run of form that first half of the season, and maybe they don't win the title if Bernardo Silva had left that summer. Who knows? Yep. So, uh, But beggars can't be choosers. Um, Kyle is asking about the possibility of a Champions League final watch-along. I believe I will be away that weekend, but, you like, know, we could – can maybe figure something out, but I, I believe I am away that weekend. But when is we'll the final? See. June tenth, my friend. June tenth. Hopefully, I'm not working. We got the FA Cup final June third. You know, maybe maybe that'll be maybe that'll be the uh, the watch yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'm maybe I'm not working. If I am working, then I'm gonna make sure that it's on both TVs at the brewery. Perhaps a Roma versus Juventus Europa League final is a uh, is a watch along candidate. Uh, you know. We'll, we'll see. Um, no matter what, you know, we're going to keep it locked and loaded. We'll be back next week to probably celebrate the Manchester City Premier League title officially. We I just hope both teams have fun. Much. Yeah. Uh, the Europa <laughs> League finals, uh, the 31st of May, by the way. So, oh. And I'm going to look up the Conference League final as well. The Conference League final is – why is this so hard to find? The 7th of June. Okay. So we get the Europa League final before we get the Europa Conference League final. Feels like those things should maybe be reversed. I'm not sure why that is the way that it is. But hey, who am I to judge? What do I know? I know absolutely nothing. We'll be back next week when we know who's in the Europa League final, when we know who's in the Europa League Conference League final, when we have more clarity on who's getting relegated from the Premier League and Serie A. We already know who's going to win the title. I mean, that's that's far gone. But maybe, maybe the top four race will, will tighten up a little bit. Maybe it'll become more clear. Who knows, right? Who knows? Hope you enjoy the weekend. We'll be back to you next week to talk all about it. See you. Peace.